Well, how does it make you feel when you hear good news? Um, we just listened to some kids talk about what would be good news for them or good news they'd receive. Grandma rated pretty high, didn't she? So if you're a grandma, it looks like you can make somebody's Christmas bright this year. Heard about going to Texas, uh, snow. Somebody thought snow would be good news. Cross your fingers. We might get it this afternoon. We'll have to wait and see. Probably not much, but maybe we'll have a white Christmas. Uh, Mom having a new baby was good news. Obviously, when we hear good news, it's always welcome. You know, I can remember when an officer walked back up to my car and said, Jerry, I'm just going to give you a warning today. That was good news. <laughs> Heard that more than once. <laughs> but that's not the best news I've ever received. Uh, I remember when the 1985 Chicago Bears won the Super Bowl. That was really good news. Thank you, thank you. A couple Bears fans in here. All right. Um, first service we've had Bears fans, so uh, save the best for last, I can see. But, you know, one reason that was such good news is because it's probably the only time it's ever going to happen in my lifetime. It's tough being a Bears fan, you know? That was really good news. That's not the best news I've ever heard. Um, when our firstborn was born, we didn't know if she was going to be a boy or a girl. So when we heard the doctor say those words, you have a healthy baby girl, that was fantastic news to us. And uh, really excited. The minute I saw her, I fell in love with her. But even though that was fantastic news, that's not the best news I've ever heard. When I asked my wife, to marry me. And after a long pause, she said yes. <laughs> that was probably the second best news I've ever heard. I'm kidding about the long pause, by the way. But uh, that's not the best news I've ever heard. The best news that I've ever heard is found in the Christmas story. And I want to read it to you this morning. It's Luke 2, 11. And here's what it says. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. That's the best news any of us could hear. And I want to tell you why. And to do that, I want to back up and give you some context. I'll start reading back in Luke 2, verse 8. Here's what it says. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. There it is, good news. And verse 11 that we read just a moment ago explains what that good news is. It's about a savior. It's about the Messiah. It's about the Lord. And you know, it gets my attention, and I think we love to hear good news, but what really gets my attention is it says that this good news will bring great joy. But the double take moment for me when I read this is when you get to those words when it says, for all people. Let me ask you, when was the last time we heard good news that would bring great joy for all people? I don't think I've heard that in my lifetime. What would it take to have good news that would bring great joy for all people? I don't know. Would an announcement of a cure for cancer do that? Something like that? So we would all agree that when someone brings good news to us, 
We love to hear that, right? I mean, what if you heard the words, hey, going into the first of the year, you're going to get a raise. That's good news. What if you heard that final exam you took, you got an A on it. Good news. What if you heard the words, you've been cured? Or what if you heard the words, the sermon's going to be shorter today than usual? (laughs) That'd be pretty good news, wouldn't it? But in the Christmas story, we have good news that brings great joy. Just not joy, not some joy, but great joy. What triggers that kind of response? What elicits emotion like that? Well, throughout the month of December, we've been doing a series that we've called Carols. And we've looked at some of the Christmas carols because they're so rich in their meaning and their words and the perspective they give us on the Christmas story. And today we're going to look at one of the all-time favorites, very popular one. Of course, it is Joy to the World. And the Christmas story is full of joy, isn't it? And we're all familiar with Joy to the World. It's a very upbeat song. We like to sing it at Christmas. It was written by a guy by the name of Isaac Watts. He wrote it in the 1600s. But Isaac Watts grew up going to church. By the age of seven, he had written his first poem. And when he would go to church, he would complain to his dad that all the music in church was boring or slow or drab or monotonous. And one day, his dad got tired of him complaining to him, so his dad said to him, all right, if you don't like the music we sing in church, write your own. And he did. In his lifetime, he wrote over 750 songs or hymns that were sung in church. One of those was Joy to the World. Now, what's fascinating about his songs or hymns is many of them were very upbeat. You know, they were faster songs. If you think about it, Joy to the World is a rather upbeat, fast song, isn't it? And if you go back to the 1600s and you were to sing Joy to the World, it was rocking for that time period. I mean, the violins, the cellos, they were just screaming on a song like that. Well, in a few minutes, Josh is going to come up, and he's going to talk to you about the great joy. But I want to set the table for that by telling you about the good news. Because this good news is about a birth. It's a very unique birth, because the result of this birth will mean the Savior, the Messiah, and the Lord. Let's first talk about the Savior. The word Savior means rescuer or one who saves. Remember in the Christmas story where we read in Matthew 1.21 that it says that Joseph was to call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins? The name Jesus literally just means that, someone who saves. Now, why do we need a Savior? Because we sin. And our sin keeps us from God. So hearing that we have a Savior who came to die to pay for our sins is good news. I was about six years old, I think, when I realized that I needed a Savior. Now you may be thinking, you mean at age six? Well, yeah, you know, I had accrued a lot of sins by the age of six. So it was pretty clear to me by the time I was about six years old that I needed a savior. My dad told me a story. I don't remember this happening, but he told me a story about when I was like two or three years old. He said, I would go to bed at night, and in the house we lived, my bedroom was on the upstairs, and it was above where he would often be in the evening downstairs. And he said, after they would put me to bed, at some point, 
he would hear these footsteps from my room, kind of this pitter-patter across the ceiling, and they would walk, and then it would stop, and then pretty soon he'd hear these footsteps again, and they would stop again. And he thought, what is he doing? So one night he said he decided to figure out what I was doing. So he kind of crouched at the top of the stairs, and from there he could peer into my room, and he just watched. And sure enough, in a few minutes, he said he watched me get out of bed, and I walked over across my room to an old couch that was in my room, and I put my hand underneath the cushion and I pulled something out. It was candy. (laughs) And I put the candy in my mouth, walked back to bed. Apparently, what was going on, we had candy downstairs in the dish. I was stealing it during the day, going upstairs, hiding it in the couch, and then after I go to bed at night, I pull a piece out and eat it. Pretty clever, huh? (laughs) Rather devious, I would say that. You know, it's kind of like some sweet tooth squirrel or something like that, I don't know. But, you know, if I was devious at age two or three, I can assure you I did not get less devious by age six, all right? I was on a downhill trend by that point. And so even at age six, I realized one day, there was a light bulb moment, I heard about this and it's like, I need a savior, I've sinned. And so that was really good news for me to hear. And it was at age six where I accepted what Jesus had done into my life, where I invited him into my life, because I knew that I needed a savior. You know, whether you're six years old, whether you're 16, 36, 76, however old you are, when you come to that realization that your sin is keeping you from God and that you need a savior, you have one in Jesus. And that's really good news, isn't it? Jesus was born to die to die to pay for our sins. And so even from age six, from that point on, I've been able to live with an inner joy. Josh is gonna describe what this joy is in just a few minutes, but I've been able to live with this inner joy knowing that my sins, past, present, and future, are forgiven because I have a savior. Well, so that's the first word, savior. The second word that talks about this unique birth is Messiah. The word Messiah, of course, it's the word Christ, means anointed one, or we could even say king. Now, now we're not all that familiar with a king, but, um, you know, a monarchy, that's kind of foreign to us. Some of us have the perception, you know, that kind of um, reign would be bad, but not necessarily. There were bad kings and there were good kings. If you lived under a bad king, things would be bad. But if you lived under a good king, things would be good. You know, you would have peace, you would have prosperity, You would have justice, you would have joy. And right now, we don't live in a world of peace and justice, do we? But someday we will. When Jesus is king in the future, it'll be a world of peace and justice. And knowing that, that even though our world is not a world of peace and justice today, knowing that someday it will be because Jesus will be king, completely changes your outlook on life, doesn't it? Knowing that when he returns, all the wrongs in this world will be made right. And you know that song, Joy to the World, it's fascinating because we associate it with Christmas, but when you look at the words, much of it's looking to the future when Jesus will be king. It says, the Savior reigns and he rules the world with truth and grace. So Jesus is the Savior. He's also the Messiah. And then it says he's the Lord. 
one of the earliest confessions of Christians was the phrase, Jesus is Lord. And the term Lord just means leader or master. It calls on us to submit or surrender to him. And so the term Lord actually requires a response out of us. It requires us to say, will I submit my life? Will I surrender my life to him? Will I give up control of my life and let him control my life? And the interesting thing is, Jesus said that when you do that, you actually find your life. Jesus said, if you give up your life, you find it. Now, what did he mean by that? Here's what he meant by that. When you surrender your life to him, then you'll find true purpose and meaning in life. So a savior, I've sinned, I need a savior, and through Jesus I find forgiveness. And a king, someday he's coming to make all the wrongs in this world right. That gives me hope in the Lord. When I let him lead my life, then I have purpose. You see why this is joy to all the world? Dump trucks, am I right? <laughs> who, doesn't, who doesn't find joy in a good dump truck? I love getting to hear from kids, particularly the couple of them that I personally own, because they're such joy. They communicate it so well. Sometimes as adults, we, we kind of lose sight of that. It's, it's more under the surface, and it's fun to be reminded when we hear from kids of what it can be like to feel that, that joy. Seven years ago... Uh, on a day like today, I stood in front of my church and I felt terrible. I had opened an early Christmas present that year, the stomach flu. And yeah, it was not fun. It was not fun. But even in the midst of that, I was still excited because my wife was pregnant with our first child and was due at any moment. I half expected to get sort of a hand signal from the back where they're like, we need you right now. And I have to just leave and go. We were incredibly excited. And five days later, Show up at the hospital, spend our time there getting ready, and our son is born. And it was just an incredible moment. I brought a picture so you could see what that was like. It was very special for us. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that guy. So young, so naive. No idea how much he will be spit up and pooped on in the next couple years. It was such a special moment. I remember my, they pull my son out, and they do that little NASCAR pit stop where they check him, and they're like, they're checking everything, they clean him up, and then they go put him in the warmer like he's a little loaf of bread, and he's laying there, and the nurse says to me, uh, Josh, you can go, or actually she said, Dad, you can go take pictures of your son if you want, and so as I start to walk over, I just say to myself, like just a little throwaway comment to myself, I was like, hello, son, and I'm not sure what happened, but I think the pollen count in the room rose dramatically, just like instantaneously, because it was really dusty all of a sudden. Because I'm walking over to go like, oh my goodness gracious, this is such an amazing moment, I can't believe it. Like, I just, I'm not a crier, not that there's anything wrong with that, but man, in that moment, it felt like my face broke. <laughs> I was overwhelmed. I was overwhelmed with love and happiness and joy. That was my son. It was such an exciting moment. And that's what joy looks like. That's great joy. Because what the angels came to say is good news of great joy for all people. And Jerry talked about good news. And what's great joy? 
Joy is an emotion of great delight, great delight that's caused by something exceptionally good. And that something exceptionally good can already have happened or it can be something you anticipate happening. All right, joy is not just happiness, though we often use those words interchangeably. Joy is not just happiness. It's more than that. It's deeper. It's richer. It's something you experience. It stirs the soul. It's a state of being. Happiness is often related to circumstances, right? Happiness is often a result of circumstances. Think about it. You're about to share presents with people. You get that great present, like you're so excited. Someone thought of you, and it's amazing. It's just what you wanted. You feel great. Like imagine someone surprised you with a really cool pair of Nikes in size 12. Hint, hint, hint. You're just, it's, it's amazing. You're, you're so incredibly excited. Side note, you know you have a lot of shoes when the, the issue is not if you have Christmas-themed footwear to wear to Christmas Eve service, but which pair of Christmas-themed footwear you're going to wear. There you go. That's, I broke these out for you today. But you get a great gift. You get a killer pair of shoes, and that fades over time. It doesn't last forever. The best gift you've ever gotten, right? It, it, you don't still feel that same feeling. Happiness is often because of circumstances, but joy is often in spite of circumstances. That joy is finding contentment regardless of what's going on. It's more than just temporary happiness. There's an aspect of a rightness in the soul. Happiness is like a pitcher of water, right? You fill it up and you can use it and pour it out, but eventually that pitcher will go empty. Joy is like your kitchen faucet. It's connected to something deeper that will keep pouring out. Happiness is good, but joy is much better. And that's what Isaac Watts understood when he wrote this song, Joy to the World. It was published in 1719 as a part of a collection of hymns. And the irony is he didn't write it to be a Christmas song. He didn't base it out of Luke or out of Matthew or out of the Christmas story like the other songs that we did in our carol series. He actually based it out of Psalm 98, which says, Shout to the Lord all the earth. Break out in praise and sing for joy. Sing your praise to the Lord with the harp and melodious song with trumpets and the sound of ram's horns. Make a joyful symphony before the Lord the King. That's what he was thinking about. That's what he'd been reading and studying when he wrote this. He didn't actually intend for this to be a Christmas song. Historians don't really know how it it, it became one because if, if we play Joy to the World in July everybody's going to be a little like off, right? We're all going to be like, wait a minute, is it, what? Is this, you're going to have some sort of Pavlovian response. You're going to instantly want presents. Like, is there somebody have a present for me? And it's appropriate that it's become a Christmas song because of what it speaks to. The joy that is entered into the world, the joy that is not just for some, but for all. Joy that we can have in spite of what goes on in our lives. Because here's the thing, Isaac Watts didn't have this charmed life. Isaac Watts knew pain. He visited his father who was in prison when he was a young boy. In fact, when he was older, his published writings were all over the place and and a woman had read them and become so enamored with him that she wrote, wrote him with the idea of marriage. And so they arranged to meet and she shows up and then sees him and is so put off by his physical appearance that she breaks the engagement and leaves. Ouch. Ouch, that's the ultimate, it's, well, it's not really me, it's you. Really is. Have you seen you? 
this, this is not going to work out, sorry. Like, that really stings. But he could write about joy because of the good news that Jerry talked about. The good news of the Savior, the Messiah, the Lord, the Savior, to rescue us from our sin and our brokenness. The King, the good, the kind, the loving King, to make whole what we broke and to reign over a perfect future. And the Lord to lead us and love us and give us hope and purpose. The good news is the reason for great joy. No matter what we go through, no matter what we experience, no matter how lonely, afraid, overwhelmed, discouraged, how hurt we feel, we can look forward to the rescuer, the King, the Lord, to Jesus, who changes everything forever. For some of us, Christmas is a hard season because of bad memories, or, or we think of people we, we loved and who we've lost, or there's brokenness in our families, and, and that pain comes up. We can still experience joy because of what Jesus did. It's not because of what we're going through now, it's because of what God has done for us. And I love that it's for all people. It's joy to the world. It's joy to the world. It's the cure for the disease that all people ever suffer from, from sin, from the selfish belief that we can find meaning and purpose and satisfaction apart from God. That's the good news that gives us great joy. That's the incredible event that we look back to. And so what do we do with it? And I love that the song says, repeat the sounding joy. Repeat the sounding joy. Repeat, repeat the sounding joy. Sounding is just an old school word meaning loud, meaning significant, it's meaningful. And we can repeat that joy. Creation repeats that joy. Creation sings out. Let the earth receive her king, all heaven and nature sing. So what does it look like for us to do that? To live that joy out, to echo it, to share it, to show it to others. What do you do when you get good news? What do you do? You tell people. Well, first you Facebook it, and then you tell people. You tell people. You want people to know. You look for opportunities to share that. You work it into conversations. When our son was born, I found a way to work it into every conversation. I was so excited. I need it. Everyone needed to know. I go pick up a pizza. It's like I casually, oh, did I leave my phone out with a picture of my son, my newborn son on that? Sorry about that. I'd, I'd find awkward ways to get to it. You know, you're talking with a friend. Yeah, you know, I'm worried my, my mom's sick right now. Oh, man, I'm sorry to hear that. Speaking of moms, my wife just became a mom because she gave birth to our son. I'm a dad. It's so exciting. Here's a picture. Uh, you know, I just, I got my tires changed the other day. You know, that, speaking of tires, I'm tired. You know why? Because we have a newborn in our house. My wife just gave birth. Here's a picture of my son. It doesn't matter. I'm finding ways to work this in. Awkwardly, if necessary. Because I was so overwhelmed by it. I was so excited. You can't hold this idea in. You can't hold joy in. You definitely don't want to ignore it. You're not going to pretend like it doesn't exist. It just comes out. And joy is a characteristic of the life of a follower of Jesus. Because the good news of Jesus gives us hope in all situations, always. The good news of Jesus gives us hope in all situations, always. Gives us joy in all situations, always. God celebrates with us in our best moments, and we can know that and remember that. God mourns with us in our hardest moments, and we can live in that. It's the definition of joy, right? It's, it's this exceptional thing has happened, this exceptionally good thing. Jesus is that exceptionally good thing. His birth changes everything. I love that. 
don't need to have joy because of how I feel, because if we're honest, when life's hard, I'm not really happy. Happiness is, is hard when the situation is hard, but joy is different because I can look forward to a perfect future. I can look forward to a perfect hope, and I can experience delight that's not based on what I'm going through. I can't help but think of the birth of my son when we come to Christmas. His birthday is in five days, and it just, it, I think about this time because of how meaningful it was. But this morning, we celebrate another child being born. We celebrate that we're able to live in and experience and know great joy because of the birth of God's son, Jesus entering into the world. This Christmas, know that joy has come because when we know Jesus, we can know joy too. We can know joy too. What would it look like for you this Christmas, over the next couple days, to think about what you can be joyful about? What can you be joyful about? What would it look like for you to live out joy this week? God sent his son so that the words of 1 Peter 1, 8-9 would be true for us. You love him even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. A glorious, inexpressible joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. That's the good news. That's what brings joy to the world. 